Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today, we're sitting down with our friends from the Mackinac Center for Public Policy based out of Michigan. Joining me is the Vice President for Strategic Outreach and Communications, Lindsay Killen. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So today we're going to be discussing what's going on right now with COVID, what's going on with the healthcare industry, and how states can learn about what's going on in Michigan and how they can learn from Michigan, what to do and what not to do. So just to get us started a little bit, Lindsay, can you give our listeners a little bit, maybe just the context of Michigan or give us the lay of the land? Sure. You know, there is a lot to learn, both good and bad, from Michigan's experience during this public health crisis. I would say our story began on some very good notes, some very high notes, particularly for patients in our state. And we set a strong example for other states to follow. In fact, Governor Whitmer, who I'm sure everyone listening is well aware of, she was most recently making news for her consideration as Biden's vice president, but she's been making news in other ways, particularly related to her handling of the COVID crisis, because her actions have really stood out nationwide for mostly atrocious reasons. But, you know, when COVID struck in March, the governor was actually very open-minded and receptive to hearing what we can do urgently and immediately that would have a positive impact on increasing access to care. And the Mackinac Center was very involved with advising the administration and our legislature in those early days about what those policies look like. And in fact, uh, Governor Whitmer, who has issued more executive orders than any governor in the country since this crisis struck, issued a series of her earliest executive orders that pulled directly from the Mackinac Center's playbook. So we were thrilled to see that, at least initially, Governor Whitmer was happy to look at policies that increased access with hopefully lower costs over time, but make sure that patients were getting quality care, especially during this time of crisis. And she did that by removing a lot of barriers for people that we typically face when we're trying to to access care, which I can talk more about later. Since that time, though, her administration has been increasingly obstinate towards both maintaining those very helpful policies, but also taking guidance and counsel from other elected officials and adhering to uh, the laws that we have in place in Michigan, which are you know in place in in many states that constrain the governor's emergency powers. So we think Michigan is actually a great case study for lawmakers around the country looking at both what can we do that's proactive, bold, and beneficial for patients on health care now and for the long term? And what should we not do when we're making emergency policies? Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And I'm really excited for our listeners for this conversation today because Michigan is a great case study. Obviously, I'm a little biased. Listeners, I am from Michigan. I'll get that out of the way now. I'll try to be as unbiased as I can be in today's podcast. But before we were recording, Lindsay, you were talking to me about the three cornerstones at the Mackinac Center. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about those cornerstones and and how they inform your work? 
Yes, the Mackinac Center, when we take on healthcare reform issues, we always seek to expand access, increase quality, and reduce the cost of healthcare for all Michiganders. So our solutions promote innovative, market-based approaches that ultimately reduce bureaucracy and put patients first, which we think is most critical. Yeah, I mean, those three cornerstones make a lot of sense to me. Increase access, higher quality, reduced costs. Can you talk to our listeners maybe or just give some examples of what policies would bring about those ends? Absolutely. And as I mentioned, the governor here in Michigan actually implemented almost all of these policies early on uh, via executive order. So they're temporary reforms. A couple are still in place. A few have been rescinded. But all of the reforms I'm about to mention are reforms that aren't just good in a time of crisis. They're fantastic in a time of crisis, especially when you need to immediately create capacity in the healthcare space. But they are good for patients and good for the states long term. First and foremost, I would mention I would note certificate of need reform. A number of states, in fact, the majority of states across the country still have these regulations in place, and they are arbitrary barriers that are protectionist in nature, and they reduce competition to the extent that patients are left, especially in rural areas of states, patients have less access to care, they're paying more money for that care, and it disproportionately hurts the most vulnerable across the states. So uh, we believe that certificate of need laws need to be repealed on the whole. Reform is important, and if we need to take baby steps to get there, absolutely working to do that. But ultimately, certificate of need laws have been proven to be ineffective at accomplishing the original goal of lowering costs. In fact, costs rise, and they are the most red tape type of restrictions you could have in a state when it comes to addressing access to care. Scope of practice and licensing reform in the medical field are Mm -hmm. incredibly important. We saw a number of states, including Michigan, suspend a a scope of practice laws and licensing laws that would prevent physicians from treating patients across state lines or prevent medical professionals from practicing to the top of their skills and training and providing care. Those are really great steps in the right direction. We hope that that trend continues. But lawmakers are at a critical crossroads right now, I think, as the crisis is starting to dissipate and we realize that our healthcare system isn't overrun at this point. Uh, Will lawmakers choose to continue to keep these reforms in place? We think that it's something that lawmakers are going to be facing over the next few months, and we would urge lawmakers to keep those reforms in place. Yeah. And before we started recording, we started talking a lot about Right now, so much is going on, and, and there seems to be a lack of clarity, of public information, of transparency. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about you know, what that means and why it's so important that we do have more transparency? Sure. You know, healthcare is such a critical concern for people. It's the number one issue voters identify as being a top concern for them as they enter the voting box, the the ballot box. So we believe that part of what's driving that concern is that there is general fear among the public that they don't know how healthcare policy gets made. They don't know how they can influence it. 
They are given a list of options, usually through an insurance carrier and not even through their own providers that tells them what they can and cannot have coverage for and access to. And it, it leaves them feeling helpless. And that's not a position that we feel like patients should be in. Yeah. Instead, we want to you know, embolden patients to have more information about the decisions that are being made on their behalf. You know, a great example of where there's a need for more transparency in a story that a number of our listeners may have may, may be hearing about is the issue of how policies were made during the crisis regarding patients who were sent into nursing homes. We know that Governor Cuomo in New York had executive orders that would require nursing homes to accept COVID positive patients who were stable. And we know the result of that was that hundreds, if not thousands of people in New York passed away directly from having come in contact with COVID in a nursing home facility. That same policy was made here in Michigan by Governor Whitmer and issued through an executive order. And yet we have little to no data on what the consequences of that policy in Michigan was. There's been an unwillingness from the administration to release exact numbers and timing of deaths, uh, that corresponded with the timing of that executive order and where the deaths were coming from, you know, how many occurred in nursing homes. So that's a very recent example of an emergency policy surrounding healthcare that I think, you know, people, it, it really causes concern amongst the public because there's no accountability and there's, you know, no ability at the time to really get at what's really happening. So that's unfortunately the case often when healthcare policies are made. In fact, we, you know, we mentioned certificate of need, scope of practice laws and licensing laws. A lot of people don't even know that those things even exist. Uh, you know, mm. young mothers, you know, having their first babies when they're having to face a decision about what hospital to have their babies at, you know, are faced with whether or not they choose a hospital that has a NICU wing or they risk uh, going into labor early and having to be transported to a hospital and to practitioners they had no prior exposure mm. to because they needed access to a NICU wing. That's the result, the direct result of certificate of need laws. But they don't know that. People don't, yeah. don't know that that's the case. And they don't know the policies that need to change and, and why the barriers are there for them preventing access to certain services. So our hope in our in our work is not only to change policy, but to educate people, not just the public, but also lawmakers um, oftentimes don't even know the extent of these barriers. And we believe education is very important. Yeah. And here at ALEC, we, we completely agree. We work often um, as an educational resource for both the public and for our members, state legislators and policy experts. Alec has actually a long history working on certificate of need reform. Um, we'll link to that in the show notes. Our Health and Human Services Task Force, led by Director Brooklyn Roberts, it's actually something she's worked on a lot and written on extensively. So we'll go ahead and include some extra resources if you guys are interested in learning more about that. And I'm sure Lindsay has some other resources as well that we will include. But at the core of Alec is it being a network, a convener of people, a convener of ideas. A lot of times people like Lindsay and state legislators themselves, what they care most about, Alec, is the fact that they get to lean on one another and learn from one another. Right now we're talking a lot 
about Michigan. And, you know, we're hearing this expert breakdown, Lindsay, about what's been going on in Michigan, but so much of what's been going on is a learning experience for other states, right? I mean, state legislators can look at what you're talking about and they can think, I should do that. I shouldn't do that. So, Lindsay, I would really love if you could, you know, go in depth and, you know, maybe be a teacher for a moment here for other states looking at Michigan. What are some do's and don'ts? Well, we we have a great list running of do's and don'ts. And I'll start first with the do's. I would say do be proactive at looking at the policies that will have an immediate impact that are patient-centric or public-centric, meaning look at the policies that benefit people who need care and aren't necessarily first considering the care providers or the facilities. Those tend to be your market-based reforms like removing certificate of need barriers, removing scope of practice restrictions, and licensing laws. Michigan did those things very early on in in mid-March when the crisis struck, immediately following the governor's emergency declaration in the state. She issued about five executive orders that contained reforms that, that removed certificate of need laws in mass, suspended almost all scope of practice barriers and restrictions and licensing laws that prevented patients in Michigan from being able to access more medical care. She also expanded telehealth access, particularly for patients on Medicaid. So there, I would look to her earliest executive orders, which I'll provide links for. They were some of the earliest actions that put patients first and really adopted uh, free market approaches to the crisis. Uh, she, you know, Governor Whitmer, to her credit, was was one of the first governors to do those things and to do them very boldly. And I recall advising a number of friends and and even some lawmakers across the country back in March to take a look at her executive orders and attempt to model their own actions off of those. And so they were tremendously helpful. But then, you know, things started to to unravel here in Michigan. Uh, the legislature um, you saw that the crisis was actually at least manageable from a facility standpoint. Our healthcare system did experience a surge, but then we you know quickly realized we were able to be nimble enough to address that adequately, and we know you know we essentially we had flattened the curve. And so the legislature wanted to constrain, appropriately constrain the governor's emergency powers through the powers that they had legislatively. Unfortunately, the governor was unwilling to acquiesce to their attempt to constrain her powers and decided to expand them unilaterally and in an ongoing fashion. And so, you know, where we are today in Michigan is that uh, the legislature has been forced to sue the governor to attempt to constrain her emergency powers. Uh, So (laughs) the chief don't recommendation for lawmakers and administrators across the country is to don't violate the laws that have been in place in your state for for decades or or even over a century, uh, like what's occurring here in Michigan. We have constrained emergency powers for a reason, because people's elected officials deserve to also have influence over ongoing policy. Unfortunately, here in Michigan, that's not been happening. And the governor has been able to unilaterally issue policies 
in an ongoing and unlimited fashion with no constraint on her power. And that's resulted in some really irresponsible actions on her part. I mentioned the issue regarding the nursing homes. There's no ability for the state to hold the governor accountable at this point. So even when we know about policies like that, there's no recourse for the people. You know, we have some of the most arbitrary policies regarding economic reopening in the country. For example, casinos in our state can be open, but ice skating rinks cannot. We have uh, movie theaters are still closed but casinos are supposedly safe. For a while, uh, the governor prevented people from being able to visit their second home in Michigan. We had uh, people could use boats on water, but they could not use boats with motors. You could walk a golf course, but you couldn't walk a golf course with golf clubs. So it's, it's almost laughable. In fact, the Mackinac Center has an entire cartoon series that's dedicated to the governor's executive orders. So I highly encourage people to, t- to yeah, take a look at we'll that. We'll definitely be linking to that <laughs> as well in the show notes because I'm sure all of our listeners are very interested in checking yes. that out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that does bring us to the end of our podcast segment today. I really appreciate this conversation. It's been really awesome seeing a deep dive into Michigan and you know learning from that state and seeing what we can do or what we should not do based on what's been going on there. Lindsay Killen, the Vice President for Strategic Outreach and Communications at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy based in Midland, Michigan, has been my guest. Lindsay, thank you so much for all of your downloads to our listeners today. I'm sure it has been great for them and everyone. Make sure you check out all those links. Thank you. And if you're interested in having your ideas featured on ALEC Across the States, do not hesitate to email us at acrossthestates at alec.org. And please do rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Helps us find some new listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.